Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast for the fourth Sunday in Lent in year A. Our current series is called Our Greatest Needs. We are contemplating what our greatest needs are, the deepest needs that only Jesus can meet with his grace. And today, our greatest need is sight for the blind. And we'll see that the Gospel of the Day, a famous account, uh, gives us that theme And then the associated readings, one of which we'll be discussing as our text today, will fit with that theme as well. Let's meet our participants today throughout this Lenten series. We are joined by Pastor Joel Heckendorf from Reno, Nevada, Light of the Valleys Lutheran Church in the Reno area, Pastor John Scharf from Abiding Grace in Covington, Georgia, and Professor Joel Russo from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. So, John, Joel, and Joel, thanks again for being with us for this Lenten series. Uh, Joel Heckendorf, uh, let's start with you. Could you explain for us how this week's theme fits into the series that we're in, and uh, bring out anything you'd like to about uh, the theme for this particular week? Sure. Thanks, John. Um, you know, just reading through this text and, and studying it, I can't think of how many times people have maybe sat in my office or, or even myself have wondered, you know, what does the Lord want me to do? And, and some of those times, it's just a matter of free will. Should I move here? Should I buy that house or that type of thing? But uh, this text helps us understand that it, that's not always just a matter of, of free will. Some, sometimes it's simply that. What does the Lord want? What is God pleasing uh, to do? And this text emphasizes that we don't have to struggle with that. We aren't left in the dark. We don't have to guess what is God pleasing. Rather, um, a relationship with Jesus does move us from spiritual blindness to sight. Uh, so the light of the world not only leads us to see him, but to live for him. And so, so that's kind of how it fits in with our, our greatest need being sight for the blind. I, I know what, what Jesus wants and empowered to do so. Yeah, so Jesus being the light of the world for us that brings light to our darkness and also illuminating, maybe illuminating our path uh, as we walk and as we follow him. In fact, I think we get that word walk in our text today, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, walk or live. All right. Um, John Scharf, today our text will be the second reading. Could you bring us up to speed on the gospel of the day and the first reading and how these fit together? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this picture of blindness, sight, darkness, light, carries through all of our readings. You know, the the first reading from Isaiah, God promises to step in and act for those who are blind, you know, leading them, making the darkness light. And then on the flip side, he has some harsh words for those who think they can see, calling them blind and deaf. Uh, In the gospel, then we see the fulfillment of that in Jesus, the light of the world. As always, the gospel sets the tone for the Sunday. And the, the key picture today is this visual of Jesus actually giving sight to an actual blind man, but at the same time, then, that blind man is given spiritual sight as well, as Jesus reveals who he is to him. And the flip side, the Pharisees demonstrate the other side of it, with the Messiah right there fulfilling the prophecies that were promised of what the Messiah would do, and and they're blind to it. And then our sermon text, the, the second reading, Paul brings us into the picture. We were darkness. Now we are actual light doing the things the light does. We couldn't see. We needed sight. We needed light. And God has fulfilled that need. So then we praise God with the psalmist in our psalm of the day. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And that affects my confidence, my life, so that I can wait for the Lord. 
be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So yeah, just a, a beautiful thread all the way through all of our readings for today. Thank you. Yeah, let's get into then um, the second reading for the day and, and uh, the sermon text. Uh, Joel Russo, um, what are some noteworthy points in this text as preachers have done their text study and now they're thinking about how, how to go about preaching this? Anything to share with them that could help out? I'd be curious to hear some of the, the other guys' thoughts on kind of sanctification preaching. It's a heavy sanctification text of uh, living in the light of, of who we are. Uh, one of the things that I end up doing is I'll try to identify all the imperatives, all the directives for our Christian life. Uh, but when you do so, then you also want to find the indicatives uh, that empower the imperatives. And you don't get very far in the text without an indicative. Uh, so you have, you know, right away, you were. Uh, one's darkness. And then there's the the encouragement now that we uh, walk in the light. Uh, I think you commented on that imperative. Um, that imperative just in the chapter of Ephesians 5 of, of walking uh, comes up three times. Uh, so you have it in verse 2, you have it here in verse 8, you have it in verse 15. And so uh, maybe be good for a preacher just to not only read the whole epistle of Ephesians, but to take a look at the whole chapter and, and what is it telling us as we, we walk in this light? Uh, we were darkness, now we're light, now let's walk in the light. Um, Joel Heckendorf already commented on it. So, you know, if you're looking for indicatives in the text, uh, you have that phrase of what is pleasing to the Lord. And so often in our Christian walk, we do long for that, Lord, what, what pleases you? And uh, he directs us in that walk, uh, the, the fruit of righteousness. Um, and and um, I thought that was an interesting picture and, and be curious. I don't know how to preach the picture, but you have the idea or the contrast of, of the fruit of light and then the contrast to unfruitful darkness. You know, so if you picture, it's my mind, uh, but if you picture a tree that is light, what does it produce? And, and it's this, this fruit of righteousness contrasted to what is the fruit of darkness. And uh, we're, of course, encouraged to walk in, in the fruit of light or with the fruit of light. Uh, one other word that may, may be I'm kind of already tipping a, a thought for um, an application or, or maybe specific law uh, is in verse 12, and it's the crefe word, um, the idea of secretly, you know, that, that it's, it's disgraceful uh, what happens, um, you know, in secret. Let me get that exact word. Yeah, it's, it's shameful uh, to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Uh, I had run across something recently where somebody said, uh, you know, they're terrified of being exposed. You know, that's so much of our life that we, we live hidden. We don't want people to see us as we really are. Uh, we don't want people to know us as we really are. So we kind of put up guards because if people knew us as we really are, they might be ashamed of what they see, or we might be ashamed of what we see. And yet this text reminds us, we don't need to be ashamed that we walk in the light that Christ has given us and that the light that Christ has made us. We were darkness, now we're light. We don't have to be ashamed of who we are. In fact, we just get to live who he's made us to be. Thank you, Joel. Yeah, maybe I could interject um, a connection here between this reading and a few weeks ago, prior to our Lenten series was, um, and series at the end of the Epiphany season on the Sermon on the Mount, um, our Savior's Sermon. And so one of uh, the suggested sermon texts we work with from Matthew 5, one of the weeks was, um, you are salt, you are light. And so our theme for that week was, you are, so be. 
Um, and I wonder if this is kind of a very similar pattern here, um, starting with verse eight, you are light in the Lord. Um, I'm supplying the indicative there, but I think that's legit, right? You were once darkness, but now light in the Lord. Um, and then the uh, imperative built off of that. So I think that's what you were mentioning, Joel, but maybe that that's good to remember for sanctification preaching. <clears throat> Look for the indicative and build off of that, the truth of what God has done. And I think our text um, gives us an easy way to do that and a natural way to do that. Um, well, let me open it up now to uh, John and Joel. Um, comments based on what Joel has said here uh, to get us going, thinking about this text or different aspects of it. Um, your thoughts on preaching this kind of sanctification-heavy text or um, other issues that he has raised, uh, the crefe or, or anything like that. Uh, lots of word pictures here to deal with that we could uh, explore as possibilities for preaching. But um, let me just open it up to you two guys, building off of what Joel has said. John, first. Yeah, you know, I, I was struck too by that uh, kind of the mixed metaphor. You know, light is one picture, but then the fruit. But, you know, it, it's Paul, and, and he's talked about these things before, and uh, his, his hearers uh, understand, you know, you hear fruit, and instantly there are the images that go with that. You know, this is an apple tree bears apples, an orange tree, you know, the, the things that we've been through a hundred times, and then he, he connects it with the light picture. And, and I really think, you know, the, the light picture is what drives all of this, you know, from, uh, from that there to, uh, um, you know, the hymn he quotes at the end, you know, wake up sleeper, the sleeping one, uh, and, and think of what light does to the, the person who is sleeping. And, and uh, I think that that's something that we can explore a little bit is, it, what does light do to you? Um, there are some certain situations where, boy, it's really good to have a flashlight in hand. You know, I, I heard the noise outside. I'm out camping. I need to get to the, the restroom or whatever. Um, boy, that light is really helpful. But when that's shining on you when you were dead asleep and all of a sudden you got this, you know, that's kind of an annoying thing. Um, just actually heard on the radio a study about uh, uh, how it's not good for you to be uh, sleeping with with lights on or TV on, things like that. There's something in your brain that, that it messes with on your sleep patterns. Um, but yeah, so light is gonna affect different people in different places. And, and you see that, you know, Paul uses that picture then um, talking about, you know, exposing the things, you know, the, the, the ones doing shameful things are, are doing them in secret. Um, and you think about, and maybe I'm, I don't, I'll save this formality. If Joel's got anything else on this, I was gonna slide right into talking malady stuff. Hey, uh, go ahead. If it's a great, good transition okay. here. Sure. Okay. You know, the, uh, um, a while back, there was the story of the coach that, uh, all his emails were made public and yeah, he said some stuff he shouldn't have said and probably rightfully, uh, you know, terminated and all of that. But can you imagine if everything you've ever texted or everything you've ever, uh, you know, said about someone was suddenly made public. Um, and now how about even your thoughts? Uh, that's kind of a scary thought, you know, the light uh, shining. Um, but then of course the other side of it, you know, you, you have uh, uh, Christ is the one shining on us and he, he has 
lived, he is the light, he's the perfect light. And, and now we are children of light and we get to walk in that light. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that thought of being exposed, um, I think that can be a, a powerful, whoa, uh, I need some help here. Yeah, uh, Joel Heckendorf. There's two aspects of that exposed, right? That we don't want to be exposed, but then you go through this text is that it's also our job as light to expose others. And maybe that's where I, I think we see the malady as well, that we, we fail to shine that light on, on other uh, dark fruits of, fruits of darkness, to, to use that mixed metaphor there. Um, but to quickly follow up that you still have God's promise that what, what we illuminate becomes a light, that, that we can make that difference. I, I think that's a, that's a neat promise that God gives to us. As you do this difficult job of exposing um, wrong fruits, uh, that can become a light too. And, and there's probably tons of illustrations that uh, preachers will have as far as how, how they have used the long gospel to, to lead people to, to live in the light instead of after having exposed darkness. John? Yeah, and that, that word, you know, the exposed, the elenco, uh, the first definition or first, you know, lexicon entry is, is to bring to light. Um, and I think sometimes we think of exposed as, hey, I'm calling you out on this. But there's another aspect of that too, you know, as I'm shining the light, as I'm being the light, um, it, I don't have to call you out on it uh, necessarily. And there's, there's place for that too. But uh, um, I don't, you know, Paul is not just telling us here, go around and, and find fault in everybody. Uh, but as you live your life, that naturally um, brings, you know, uh, do not associate with the fruitless works of the darkness, but rather also bring them to light, you know, as you're side by side with them, uh, there, there's that light that's going to impact them um, as well. So yeah, I, just that, that word, uh, when I first read it, I, I hear, you know, the, the judgmental Christian who's going around telling everybody what's wrong. Um, that's not the case here. It's, it's uh, the loving light um, that is willing to have a hard conversation. Um, but uh, that's, that's not the primary purpose or uh, um, goal to, to just, hey, you're wrong. Yeah, and if we needed any grounding in humility, um, the first part of verse 8, right at the beginning of the text, yep. provides that you were once darkness. Um, let's not forget that. Um, and, you know, our sin had to be exposed and forgiven and taken away, and, it, and for sure it was. But in now, on that basis, we go about illuminating the things that are in darkness. Uh, so other people too can be light. Yeah, that's that's our goal. Not simply to expose, but to expose so that other people uh, may know the light and be light as we are by grace. Um, great. Uh, so we've been talking about some some malady thoughts there too. Anything further on that? Um, or can we go into aspects of the gospel or gospel pictures that you might bring out that are in this text? I mean, I think some of them have popped out already at us, uh, but any that you would like to highlight as suggestions for preachers? 
Uh, Joel, Russell? Yeah, just uh, building on something John Sharp said, it just got me thinking a little bit. And he gave the example of, you know, the guy who had all that, all those emails, all that information exposed. And, and John, you asked the question, what if everything were made public? You know, how would we feel? And right away, I thought, actually, it has. You know, when you go kind of make a beeline to the cross, isn't darkness made public right there? Uh, that there is every every fruitless uh, deed of darkness right there nailed to a cross, and it's already been exposed and forgiven. And because it has been exposed and forgiven, now I can walk in light. And and um, yeah, what what joy we have that 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 now now I have this light in Christ. So you you got me thinking on that of, of just the the contrast to the cross and how we need not be afraid of of exposing or being exposed because it already has been. Yeah, that's a good gospel thought. Um, that there is no need to hide or to keep on hiding. Um, it's all out there when we see Jesus on the cross and he's the one bearing it for us, right? Um, other uh, gospel pictures that you would bring out or suggestions, John? And just to that, what a relief it is. You know, if, if there mm-hmm. is something that someone is hiding um, you know, they don't want their spouse to find out this because if they would, uh, it would be bad. And then when the spouse finds out and honestly forgives, um, oh man, what a, what a, I'm, I'm not carrying that around anymore. And I think, you know, going to Joel's picture there, uh, boy, that's powerful. Uh, we, everything has been exposed at the cross and this relief and release is, is uh, palpable. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's the light that we live in, um, the relief and release from that. Great. Um, the, uh, the concluding verse, I was going to ask you guys about two. Um, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What do you make of that, um, expounding it, applying it in the context here? Um, or how do, you, how do you view that verse uh, evidently kind of a quotable quote back at the time that Paul wrote this, um, whatever form it may taken or whatever use it, it may have, have typically found. Um, yeah, how do you preach the truth of that verse, that saying uh, to believers now? Any suggestions for preachers there? How do you usually handle that verse? John? I was actually thinking of uh, using that last part as, as a theme, Christ will shine on you or Christ shines on you. Um, but, uh, you know, when you, throughout the text, you kind of see the, the progression, um, light exposes, light convicts, and then light converts. Um, so that the job of the light, hey, uh, waking people up um, so that Christ shines on them too. So, I mean, you, you have... Um, all things, everything made visible is light. You know, that, that's what he's explaining with that verse. Um, not just everything made visible is seen, but everything made visible is, is light. Um, so, Great. interesting okay. to hear with the other guys, yeah. Yeah, Christ will shine on you. Um, yeah, kind of a uniting theme there. Uh, other thoughts, uh, Joel Peckendorf? I mean, I, I think you almost have to go to the the blessing that closes our services when you bring that in and, and what a neat way to maybe tie in the, the whole service is that as you go out now into your mission field, as you go into your, to your world, to be a light 
that you go with that promise every time that Christ will shine on you is that's, that's so um, empowering and enabling uh, to carry out all these imperatives that are in here about walking, uh, walking in the light of, of Jesus. And so I, I think to, to really emphasize that, that part of our service and, and how that gives us confidence to go about our, our work. Yeah, here's the light of Christ, God's light shining on us um, in real time here, not just um, uh, wishing you all the best for the week ahead, but this is the light of Christ uh, that has been coming to us as we've gathered here, and here it is again in that closing blessing. Joel Russo? I was just going to say that, you know, I failed to mention before how verse 14 has two of the most powerful indicatives here in the section. Uh, of Christ will shine on you. And as John Scharf pointed out, that everything is light. Um, and, and yeah, just, just that we have the privilege of, of living with that light, that, that his face shines on us. And now we go forth at the end of our worship and all throughout our lives uh, in that radiance. Great. So John uh, hinted at a theme idea, Christ will shine on you, taken from verse 14. Any other suggestions for um, possible themes built off of this, um, built off of one of the pictures in the text or something else drawn from the text here? How, any ideas you're working with as possibilities? I thought of maybe the something with, uh, we have it as live as children of light, um, but the peripateo word, um, something with walking in the light uh, at the end of verse eight there. Um, that's a, a picture that's kind of resonates with people, I think, um, needing the light to walk um, and the blessing of walking in the light as opposed to the darkness. I think, yeah, you guys have referred to that already. Some of the, the pictures and illustrations that come to mind related to that. Uh, other ideas as possibilities? Joel Heckendorf? I mean, it, it may not be super textual coming out of the, the flavor of the, the text here, but I, you know, I have the advantage of being at a church where our church name is Light of the Valleys. And so mm -hmm. I might use something like that, or our tagline is, you know, see clearly, live brightly. Or I, I think of other, other churches that have light as part of their name or, you know, illumine or uh, see life better, I think is there is their tagline. Um, but so I, you know, that's going to be much more colloquial as far as if you have a congregation nearby or, or you can use that, but that whole light of the valleys for, for me is something that, that I would probably use uh, just to make it a little bit more personal. Yeah. Not a bad idea. And, you know, sometimes church names last for a long time and they're become part of the wallpaper and it's a good time to say, Hey, remember why we have this name? There's a significance to it. And it can remind us of a truth that's really uh, key for our Christian lives. John. Yeah. I was just going to add, it's probably obvious, but uh, just uh, a thought, you know, when we're getting to the, the gospel section, um, the picture of light and darkness. And I think, of course, the, the three hours when the sun went black on, on Good Friday, mm -hmm. it'd be hard not to use that visual. Um, and just in case anyone hadn't thought of it, uh, I'll throw that out there just to state the obvious one. But, uh, you know, that 
that uh, abandoned by the Father, he was in darkness. He took our darkness so that he could give us light. He, he gave up his light, um, you know, just the week earlier, shining on transfiguration and, and or that wasn't the week earlier, very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that, so that now we can shine. So we are the light. Great, great. Joel Heckendorf? And just, yeah, one more thought. If you don't really focus on the light, that would be more of a sub theme. But going back to verse eight, uh, be what you are. I, I think you could just really build off of that of how often do we how often do we fail to preach to the new man uh, that's sitting in our pew and you know they confess I am a poor miserable sinner um, that's what you, you know this is what I was but now this is what I am is I think you could just almost preach a whole sermon on verse eight and then bring bring the light and darkness and fruit as you know, at sub points, but verse eight has enough there to talk about. Yeah, we've mentioned before also the the connection to the gospel here in John chapter nine, but I'm wondering just as another idea for preachers to to put out there, um, using that as kind of a, a way to make concrete um, the the concepts that Paul talks about here in Ephesians five or, you know, seeing examples of what Paul is talking about here in the life of that man born blind, uh, because Jesus himself takes in John 9, you know, uh, beyond just physical sight, the man is given spiritual sight, and those who thought they could see are actually in the darkness. Um, So making connections there as kind of a concrete example or illustration of some of what Paul is talking about here. And then, of course, finding connections to people's lives here and now as well, um, which, yeah, we've had a couple ideas there, and and I'm sure there are more for preachers to grab onto as well. Um, Yeah, anything further? Just open it up to further suggestions for preachers or ideas you might have that would be helpful. John? John? Yeah, just maybe an illustration, uh, depending on what the weather's like. Uh, uh, winter may seem like it's been going a long time, and and that picture of seasonal affective disorder and the uh, um, the results of just being around darkness and what that does to to attitude and and um, feeling, you know, how, how emotion, uh, and then you know you. You can go on Amazon and buy one of those uh, seasonal affective disorder lamps that, you know, that you sit in and, and it's supposed to help. Um, boy, you know, think about what are you to the people around you? You know, being one of those one of those uh, lights. Um, just exactly. an illustration thought. Yeah, that's good. And um, I correct me if I'm wrong. I think this reading used to be in the Advent season. Or, it did. Yeah. yeah. Last time yeah. I preached, it was Advent. Uh, what week was it? Right. I think it was the, you know, the third um, with the, the light pictures. Sure. And yeah. so there, you know, you're, you're, the, the light is going away, the darkness is coming. And we, you know, we turn to these readings that focus on light um, as light for the darkness. I guess now in, in the springtime, kind of things are going the other direction. The light is returning, you know, as in the buildup toward Easter. So there could be illustrations there too. But yeah, I think that's something that people do deal with that we do notice um, the effects of the darkness just uh, physiologically 
um, as a picture, an illustration of uh, the spiritual power of darkness and then the power of light to break through that and really make a difference too. Uh, other suggestions, uh, Joel Russo? Yeah, building on uh, something John said, he said, you know, what are you to the people around you? And, you know, it caught my attention. I probably have seen this many times before, but the imperatives are, are plural. You know, and you think of, of what a group of Christians together, um, the light that we, we put out in the world, uh, maybe with Joel Heckendorf so a little bit too of, of, I think that's a great text to preach to your church of, of the encouragement and, and the light we bring to each other's lives and how uh, we feed off of that encouragement and, and our dark world uh, needs it. Yeah, great suggestion. So kind of a, a community application in addition to maybe the individual application or individual Christians uh, applications that we could make here too. Yeah. And an encouragement, I'm sure it's in the, the worship planning resources, but um, tap into the hymns that are there that speak of darkness and light. Um, coincidentally, just this morning in chapel here at the seminary, we sang a new hymn and it had a, a reference to these verses, uh, I think it was hymn 707, uh, but a new, uh, it's in the discipleship section, but um, had a reference to walking in the light. Um, hope I've got that, that reference right. But you can check the, the great resources that are out there for planning worship and trying to tap into those powerful images that are woven throughout our hymnody. And, and as we mentioned with the benediction before, throughout the service too, in different ways. Great. Well, any uh, final words or encouragements to preachers, ideas that, that might be helpful um, you want to throw out there for the guys? Okay. All right. Well, if not, then let's wrap up for the day. I think we've uh, given preachers some food for thought. Uh, so God bless you as you go about proclaiming Jesus, the light of the world, the light who has made us light and the light by whom we walk and serve.